All right, this is um, Doc Scott's Revival Talk. I feel like I haven't seen anybody in quite a long time, like three minutes. Um, well, we had to wait for Jamie to wake up before we started again, right? So here we are. My wife keeps seeing the Starbucks cup. She's going to cut off my account. Um, it was an accident. I think Jesus put it in my car. Um, all right, so this is day eight. <laughs> Yeah, she's familiar with those accidents. <laughs> By the way, tomorrow is our anniversary, and I'll be married to this woman for 21 years, the love of my life. Incredibly beautiful, gifted, loaded, loaded, loaded um, um, woman of, that I've married and that I can't wait to do more life with. So I just declare for you and I, baby, that uh, the next 21 years and the 21 after that and the 21 after that are going to be straight revival. So that's fun. I can't wait. Um, wow. Um, I was, I didn't have any faux pas at the gym, so I really can't talk about, um, you know, disorientation in the same way today that I could yesterday. But, um... I was reading a story uh, about how Katy Perry, um, this gospel kid, this kid that was singing a gospel song, um, came on the show, American Idol, and he started singing this song, and Katy Perry joined him, and then other people joined him. And it was like they were all singing to this gospel song, very spontaneous, you know, it was like his song drew them in. It's like, literally, he began to release the anointing and everybody came in. And I guarantee you that everybody in that room wasn't a believer that came in. And it just hit me like this is a metaphor for us that a song is being released in the land. And we are waking up and coming to the sound of that song. That revival is a song that is being released. And even with that, you know, prophetically, Jamie and I have talked about this too, is that I said this on the last thing on the prayer that there are going to be songs that come out of this that never um, actually, um, that there's going to be something on them for a long time. You ever notice if you go back to some of the songs in the 90s revivals, that if you actually plug in one of those songs, there's still something on them. And it's like because God does something with a song in a generation and his anointing is on the song. And literally the frequencies, here's the prophetic piece, the frequencies that come forth from the songs that are being released right now, the very frequencies will turn people's hearts, will release healing, will flip them on a dime. People are going to hear a song that comes out of this revival. And when they hear the song, they will come running. In fact, I, I don't know why, but I'm just declaring that over this. That Good morning, Eddie. Fire in the eyes, buddy. Um, I'm declaring that there are songs that are going to come forth that literally the frequency changes the atmosphere. There are songs coming forth right now in this revival being birthed in the sleep that people sleep at night in the day hours in the night watch hours and every hour of the day the sounds of heaven are being released 
Yes, Eddie. And those sounds are going to pull people in. It is amazing when you think about what a song does. Um, I mean, any movie that's good. Why do we like Sister Act, even if I don't like Whoopi Goldberg all that much? I mean, she's okay. I'm just being funny. But why do we like that? Why? Because when heaven comes into creation, which is us, there is a beauty and a glory on the creation. And, I, you know, I had somebody ask me one day about, like, what about when we see giftedness, people that aren't saved? The glory doesn't leave the creation. We are always, we are always, as image bearers, we're always going to be reflections of glory. The difference in somebody that doesn't know Jesus, when we see their giftedness and we see the glory on them, is that they're just living out of the place of what it means to be an image bearer. There are, is a glory on us as a creation, and that's what people see and are drawn to, whether they can recognize that or not. And so when Jesus, when the anointing hits the created, it reverberates and a sound comes through. It comes through the created being, us image bearers, and it goes through the land. That literally a sound can go around the globe. That there is a sound. In fact, when um, Krauss, Alice Krauss was here, one of the things that we were prophesying was that over that whole family was that there was going to be a sound that was released and the sound would literally take them around the globe. In other words, what goes first in every revival? What goes first in the Old Testament? Who do we send out first? We send out the worshipers, right? My wife said, angels are singing over us. God sings over us. And that's exactly it. The worship that is arising and coming out right now, right now, has a lot of stuff on it. Okay, I'm not the big manifest dude, but as much as I say that, I realize that I probably will be. I'll probably be like the manifester of all. And, you know, I've always been a little bit goofy about that, and a little bit like, wow, that person's kind of weird. And now I'm like, I love weird, especially since Jamie's been around. I really love weird. And, um, but he came in yesterday and he put on a song by, what is the group here? Upper Room. Thank you. And my head started going this, like this. <laughs> I was like, oh, 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 what's, what's on that? You know, all of a sudden I was like all contorted. Because there was something on the song. They started the song in the spirit, and I, it just caught me. And, of course, Jamie looked at me then and said, well, I think you need a little more freedom. We need to break some of that stuff off of you. And I said, well, I did dance once in my classroom. It's on, it's on video. I danced right over there. And, but here's what I'm going to believe God for. See, my wife doesn't let me dance, not because she doesn't want me to dance, because she knows that I'm really graceful and that sometimes I could take out a row of people. And so I am going to believe in faith for an anointing to come on the dance that will keep me from harm and keep me from harming others, right? 
So my new thing is I love weird. And, right, Linda. And I think if you're into this move of God, you're going to have to learn how to love weird more. I'm just saying. Because things are about to get really weird. And I'll tell you what God does in that. He confounds our minds to reveal our hearts. Let's just be honest. When you see something weird and you're getting all judgmental and up in your head about it, what is that saying about your heart? I'm telling you that the critical spirit is a defense. And it's a defense and it's rooted in a place of jealousy and envy. I literally do not, I, I am critical of the thing that I actually want. I see it in someone else and I envy it. So what do I do? I foist my shame about it on them and I become critical. Look, it's about to get really, really weird and we're going to get really weird looking and it's got to be okay. It just really has to be okay. I think when we abandon ourselves, because that is part of what revival does, it breaks us out of ingrained patterns that we are not able to shake loose from on our own. And I think sometimes the weirdness pendulum and revival gets pushed because God is trying to actually reintroduce us to something that we have fallen asleep to. He's trying to move in us in a way, literally, that breaks off religion. I don't, if you want to know how religious you are, here's your barometer. When you see weird, but Jesus is all over it, um, what's your reaction? Right? Um, right. Eddie, our dignity gets lost. And I think that he is calling us to absolutely, if you're not willing to lose your reputation in this move, then you're not ready. And you might not even want it. Because our reputation is over here, and the only one that owns us is Jesus. And we're not protecting our reputation. Yes, dignity is overrated. We don't have to protect God's reputation either, because that's called religion, right? Oh, we're trying to protect God's... Uh, he's big. He's really big. And um, he can handle his own reputation. In fact, he can handle the mess, he can handle what begins to happen when we get weird. And I don't think we have to try to protect it in the sense that we're trying to um, defend God. Don't defend him. Just let him be God. Don't try to explain him away. Just let him be God. Let him be God and let him deal with where the chips fall. And it's going to get weird. And the other thing that happens in revival and when things do get weird, I'm telling you right now, you're, we're going to lose, you might lose a friend. I'm just saying, because not everyone is willing to go there. And my prayer and my hope is that we will drag everybody, including the nations, with us, right? And that this will be unprecedented in ways that moves the hardest on the church and the unsaved in a way that it is irresistible, that they can't even hold back. I know we talk about free will, yada, yada. And I'm not talking about predestination here. I'm just saying this. 
Jesus got you and he got me. And so whatever you think is locked right now, and whatever you think, I mean, this let's remember Hannah, who prayed for her son, right? Second Samuel 5, I might be the thing you're referencing, Jamie. And basically, she made a declaration over him and what he was going to be. And so here's one of the richest things God wants to break off. Everything that you're assuming about where people are at, stop. Because they're one encounter, they're, boop, they're ready to flip. Good morning, Tracy. Ready to flip. Okay? And so what God, I mean, I'm living proof. I was holding on to getting the heck out of Dodge for six years. I was holding that bone tight, wrestling it. Ah, you know? What gonna let go of it? If my wife said one thing about once revival hits, I'd be like, Shh. revival hits, we'll just go find it somewhere else. It's gonna happen everywhere. I was holding on to something really hard. And um I wouldn't let go. And then I had an encounter, right? That's why I'm always saying we gotta have an encounter to have an encounter. And Jamie came in here, I'm gonna keep blaming him, and he wrecked my world because he called me out of my place of trying to hold on to my plan into why don't you actually sit in your seat and the seat that you were called into and sit in that one and do the have the backing of heaven why don't you let go of your investment in trying to control the outcome and the trajectory of your path because i'm telling you that your trajectory is about to change we're prophetic people and here's one thing that I always assume. If you're feeling something really deeply and something is really moving in you as a prophetic people, it means, especially if what's happening in you is larger than what the circumstance seems to call for, it means that there is something that God is doing in the body and it's something that's in you and that's why it's large. We've had those places sometimes where you could feel the swirl going on in you and around you. It's usually happening to other people. And so the thing that's happening in us is part of what God is doing. And so we're learning how to read what's going on inside of us. And we're learning how to let go of things and let go of the trajectory of our very lives. Let it go. Because living with your plan is a counter, is juxtaposed to revival. I'm going to say it. My plan is juxtaposed to revival. Jesus owns this revival. We didn't, we can't even take credit for praying into it because he initiated the prayer and formed it in us to pray. Everything comes by his initiation and by his great initiation upon us. So, if we can't, our biggest challenge is gonna be letting go of what we want tomorrow to look like. We are, we, are, we are in that place, Lord Jesus, where today has enough of its own. I'm not saying that we can't plan anything. I'm saying today, today. The problem with my five-year plan is it keeps me from living in the moment with the Holy Ghost, and I miss everything, everything. <clears throat> we have to be alert. Yesterday, a girl from my wife's school, 
was on FaceTime with a student that was in my lunch group. And I just saw her face. And I went, oh, wait a minute. And immediately I began to prophesy over her, right? Because, not because I was so grand, but because my awareness is dialed up. And so Jesus, we're asking you to dial up our awareness that we would be free to live in a moment and you, as the Holy Spirit, you blow where you blow and you go where you go. And that's how we're supposed to live. We go with, we blow. Some of you are going to be told to get on a plane and fly to an, a location that you don't even know what you're going to do when you get there. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, I'll tell you when you get there. That's what it takes. It takes this radical obedience to be able to do in the moment what God is doing. And without questions, guys, we know his voice. So stop overanalyzing it. It's not complicated. He makes it easy. My sheep know my voice. The key to my wife's healing of breast cancer was knowing the voice of Jesus. Because in the moment when the chaos comes, not only the chaos that revival brings that's good, but when the other chaos happens that happens in revival, because here's what it does. It sets chaos into motion from the heavenly realm, right? In the heavenly chaos is breaking down, rooting up, breaking into, getting into fallow ground. It's, it's pushing itself into the earth, literally. There is another chaos that will erupt in reaction to it, and that will be the swirl of the enemy. And I just want to say this, that part of the warfare is about to get really easy because the worshipers are the ones who are going to break the power of the enemy, and we're going to disrupt his atmosphere with our worship. So there is a chaos that comes in reaction to what Holy Ghost is doing. But don't look at it. Don't look at it. Raise your voice for another hallelujah. Raise your voice for another hallelujah. And if, you, if we will raise our voice into worship and get back into his presence... The part that we're going to have to become accommodated with or accustomed to, I cannot afford to live a second out of your presence because every second I'm out of your presence, something of death is happening. Death is happening. Death is coming at me. I'm taking in the world. Something is hitting me sideways. The minute we leave his, pre his presence, and we lose our ability to get drunk and get there right now. In other words, we got to enter into bliss and we got to stay there. And I, I just release that over us right now. That we are entering into bliss. Heaven's bliss. Because what happens when we're drunk in the Holy Ghost? Same happens when you're drunk in the other stuff. You lose your inhibition. Right? You lose your inhibition. Oh, we get so weird and religious about the things that God just wants to do. So we release drunkenness over all of you. 
and we release bliss. And we say, I'm a conduit of bliss, drunkenness, radical joy, crazy revelation, radical obedience, crazy exploits. Jesus, if you tell me to fly to a country without a dime in my pocket and you tell me what to do, that you're going to tell me when I get there, then so be it. Because I will trust you to give me the dream, to give me the revelation. I will walk into it without a cent in my pocket and I will trust you because your voice is going to be bread to me. Your voice is going to be my bread of life and your voice is going to sustain me. Yes, it's the voice. We gotta have the voice. We gotta have your voice. And we do. And that voice is gonna be the voice that we hear that says, move this way, turn that way. Turn around and say to that thing, get into the sea. Turn around and tell that thing to come to life right now. I pulled into the parking lot at Remnant last night. Come on. I don't do stuff like that. I used to drive through graveyards, though, and release life over them. But um, we were coming back, my wife and I, from whatever. And the Lord said, pull into the parking lot. I pulled in. Jamie and them were inside having some sort of thing. Prayer meeting went. We didn't go in. The Lord didn't say go in. He said, from the parking lot, I want you to declare. I want you to blow to the north and blow to the east and blow to the west and blow to the south. A prophetic gesture. <sighs> right? So, we were the idiots in the parking lot blowing to the north, blowing to the west, blowing to the south, right? Right? Yes. If Jesus tells you to pull into the parking lot and blow, then do it. Because something's about to happen. We have no idea what we released, but I don't have to know. Do you really have to know what God's doing just to do it? No, he loves stupid, reckless obedience. Just do it because it is going to be, we're going to be addicted to two things in this move, the voice of the father and his presence. It's I'm declaring that that's my radical addiction. My radical addiction is presence, which means lots of drunk, which means constantly stepping into his presence. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to stir those waters. I walked into my flipping room, or Jamie walked in, I blame everything on him. He put a song on by Upper Room, and I about just about fell out. Presence. It was a metaphor. It was a lesson. There's a music, and there's a sound that is going forth, that's going to have the Holy Ghost all over it, all over it. And if you need help, worship. Side note, every addiction triggers the same place in the brain, the reward center of the brain, that worship and prayer do. Don't read that much in the literature, okay? But every addiction and every, all of that triggers the same place in the brain that worship and prayer does. What does that tell me? As a presence-oriented creature, it tells me that my brain was made for the bliss of the Holy Spirit. My brain was made to experience joy 
in the Holy Spirit. It tells me that my being was created to respond to his presence. Not so odd or scary. We cannot live apart from his presence in this revival and in this move. And we must be addicted to his voice. And Jesus is going to marry truth and encounter in such a way that we've never had it before. So, Father, we just say right now, clear the clutter in my brain. Make the voice part simple. It's not complicated. My sheep know my voice. Take away the stuff that makes it feel complicated. We say release the new song in the land of awakening. And we say, enable us by your spirit to stay in your presence and to run to worship at the sniff or whiff of a war. Because we will be worshiping as our warfare. Our worship is going to tear down the stronghold that is coming after us or this move. So, Father, we're asking you to train us in worship, that you would enable us to find the things in our life, the worship song, whatever it is, that takes us immediately into your presence, where we get rocked. David said it this way, and I'm going to end. It was all a mystery to me until I came into the sanctuary of God. He said, I don't get why the wicked prosper. I don't understand all this. Psalm 73, I don't get it. He said, well, when I came into the sanctuary of God, I got it. The key is the sanctuary of heaven. That's what we need. Bless you guys. See you tomorrow. This has been fun. I don't ever know, by the way, what I'm doing when I walk in. And it's different every day. Because I'm living in that moment. Living in the presence. I'm not asking. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting here analyzing what I have to do. Because what I know is that I have to show up. And if I show up, Jesus is there already waiting. Amen. Love you guys. This was really fun. Ah.